Welcome to Unfurling, a podcast that explores the power of the natural world to inform and inspire. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Katrina. And welcome to this episode, which is all about power. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been prompted um, by the horrific war in Ukraine. We've been talking about that offline and really it brought up for us questions around power. And then we reflected actually on our tagline. You know, every time we introduce ourselves, we talk about the power of the natural world to inform and inspire. And we just started reflecting on the word and how how many different meanings it can have, different perspectives and narratives, usefulness, um, less usefulness. I don't think that's a really mm. good phrase, but um, and it felt timely to look look at this word, both individually in societies and what we can learn from the natural world as well. Mm. Yeah, we both have hundreds of scribbles on our papers in front yeah. of us, don't we? There's so much that we started to dig into and mine. Some of it probably obvious stuff, but some less obvious stuff too, and some really interesting stuff that spans nature and politics and um music and books and all sorts of things so um, we might not cover it all today but there's certainly just lots that we could talk about but we thought as usual we would start with some definitions Mm. so we're looking at the etymology of the word power and yeah it's really interesting it's a lot of different derivations of where power have come from so starting from 1300 talks about Ability to act or do, strength, vigor, might, especially in battle, efficacy, control, mastery, lordship, dominion, ability or right to command or control, legal power or authority, authorization, military force, and army. Mm. There's, there's some really big and quite kind of violent words in, in mm. that in that. Um, selection that you've just shared yeah yeah it struck me as being you know when we think about like classic archetypes I know there's a lot of spectrum within this but you know a much more masculine feeling to it you know Mm. and and might strength and Mm. and as you say violence um, Mm. here and then what's interesting is there are other phrases that come up as well so from old French pouvoir to be able, there's something about that, to be able, that fe- feels wise here, you mm. know? So it's kind of, where is the wisdom mm. in power? Um, mm. What can we plug into that's, you know, useful for ourselves in the world? Uh, and which are the bits that we can shed as well? Yeah. And, and we also kind of uncovered one of the roots of the word power, so a Proto-Indo-European root, mm, apparently right. poti, which is in the word potential and mm. possible. You know, what's possible? What is the potential here? I thought that was really interesting. And like you were saying, the idea of being able to, like wh- what could power make us able to do? What potential is there that we're missing when we when we only associate power with, as you say, some of the kind of more violent, you know, battle-related words? Mm. Um and I guess 
this episode today partly is about exploring that potential, isn't it? You know, mm. how, how else can we look? What other narratives are there in the world, in ourselves, in each other that we can draw out here and maybe help us just to think about power differently or, you know, alternatively? Yeah. So then some of the other things that came up when we were thinking about the word power and particularly in the human world at this point was um and my role on the district council which is kind of local politics has really got me thinking about it and I just wrote down a load of phrases connected to power in that world or related worlds you know like power of position and political power and influence and authority transition of power giving over power stepping into power abuse of power um, and loads of others. But uh, these words, I, I feel like they're typically used in a kind of political world and in the media talking about the political world. Even just those kind of turns of phrase, it really got me thinking about language and, and the, the words we use around power and, and, and other ways of thinking of power, like influence, coercion, authority. And I think that word authority is interesting because mm. it contains the word author. You know, it, there's something about writing writing influence writing power in that idea of authority and i have a quote from the american poet emily dickinson which which kind of came to mind when i thought of this and it is i know nothing in the world that has as much power as a word sometimes i write one and i look at it until it begins to shine mm. and i thought yeah you know the words we use the 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 stories we tell ourselves the narratives that we all collectively buy into or 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 don't um, these have the power to shape our thinking and, and our culture and therefore our politics and, and our future. Mm. So, you know, the, the idea of the pen is mightier than the sword as well comes mm. to mind. How mm. are we, is there something in that word power? Are we assuming too much about it? Could we actually, you know, knowing that power in itself isn't a bad thing, it's a neutral thing, it's, mm. a, it's a force, um, mm. how can we kind of claim back some of the, you know, negative wielding of power maybe and, and rewrite mm. the story you know rethink or look for other narratives that could be possible when we think mm. of power and then we naturally because this is unfurling we started to think how can the natural world inform us here are there stories in the natural world that could inform the way we think of power in you know the human part of the natural world mm. has some interesting examples yeah and i like what you say elizabeth about power in and of itself, not being wrong. It is a fact. And in fact, it can be something to behold and, and be in awe of. Um, I was looking at some, some lists of the most powerful creatures in the world. For example, there's a gorilla that can lift over 10 times its own 800 pound body weight, which is the equivalent of lifting 30 humans. There's the eagle, which is the strongest bird on earth which can carry up to four times its weight when flying. You know, we, we think of powerful jaws of the crocodile. Um, we think of powerful elephants. Um, for example, uh, in the Asian elephant's trunk, there are 150,000 muscle units. Amazing. Yeah, which allows its you know, nose to have the strength and flexibility to store and spray a gallon of water or uproot a tree. So, you know, and these are just a few of many, many examples. So, you know, in many ways, that, that's inspiration there mm. you know, um, of what, what can be 
created in the world. And as we zoom out, you know, also thinking about weather um, occurrences, for example, the total energy released through cloud and rain formation in an average hurricane is equivalent to 200 times the worldwide electrical generating capacity. I mean, that's phenomenal. Wow. So, yeah, in a way, these examples of, of power can be hugely inspiring about the potential, as we talked about earlier, of what's possible and you know, what we can create. And we also thought about other examples in the natural world and perhaps less obvious examples of power, but what they can teach us as well. Yeah, so I was in Scotland recently. We were on um, the Isle of Skye, which beautiful west coast of Scotland, amazing. And I was just looking at all these, you know, valleys and mountains and we went on lots of lovely walks and they were, you know, just imagining thousands and thousands of years ago glaciers coming down and carving valleys and shaping landscape and this this idea of just kind of slow persistent power of a glacier mm. is just incredible it's not a fast power yes I guess it's a destructive power actually thinking about it but it's mm -hmm. a sort of slow it's a slower kind of power isn't it on the theme of water too uh, yeah 10 years ago I was in Japan and it was a year after the tsunami the earthquake that triggered the tsunami that 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 killed almost 20,000 people and triggered the Fukushima um, nuclear disaster mm. and that was you know I was there and I was I was doing some journalism stuff actually but also helping some of the local communities clear up afterwards and just seeing kilometers of of houses and communities just completely raised to the ground through the power of water and it was devastating mm. And just this idea of these huge natural forces that are beyond our own power to control them. You know, mm -hmm. we have this idea, and it's a biblical idea, actually, of, of having dominion over nature and man being in control of nature. But things like that really just drive home the fact that there are parts of the natural world which are more powerful than even us with all our technology and all our financial might. We'll, we'll never stand against them. Yeah, just a humbling reminder of some of the power in nature but equally you know the, the kind of healing power of nature too and ideas around forest bathing and and how much looking at even just pictures of the natural world can heal people in hospital mm. Mm. it's the yin and yang isn't it of nature it's the it's the creative force and the destructive force and it's all there mm. in in one you know and thinking what you were saying about elephants as well just made me think how they're huge physically very powerful animals and yet you know there's a kind of often a real gentleness it seems mm. to how they use that power mm. um not always you know they can rip up trees and <laughs> cause cause destruction but but it's a, it's a kind of yeah it's a different kind of power mm. yeah i guess it's kind of how you you know you also choose to look um, mm. at power um, it reminds me of a poem uh, by William Blake called London mm -hmm. and I'll just read the first two lines it says I wander through each chartered street near where the chartered Thames does flow mm. and what I love about it is it's it's subtle you know it's talking about the chartered streets the chartered river mm. and yet the river is still flowing 
So whilst in some ways you look at it and like, oh, we're so organized. And I live very near the River Thames, you know, oh, this nice rectangle, mm. you know, but we can't control the water. The water still flows. Yeah. So it's, I think there's something here about respect as well, yeah. Yeah. you know, really acknowledging that as much as we think we have control and kind of, you know, over our own geographies, whether that's in our own homes or mm. elsewhere, that ultimately systems and nature are more powerful. And I say that, and then I also flip that in my head. And I think about some of the, the smallest creatures mm. in the natural world and how powerful they can be. Yeah, so for example, a mantis shrimp's punch delivers more than 3,000 times its weight. And a mite shorter than a tenth of an inch can bench press nearly 1,200 of its fellows. Blimey. I didn't even know that shrimps punched. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> exactly. I had no idea. Amazing. So it's it's something about, yeah, just there's something here for me about perspective. Mm. You know, we, we can look at power in that big, fast approach. Equally, it can be, it can be calmer or quieter. And it can also be evident in smaller arenas as well. Mm. It brings to mind a quote from the, Dalai Lama he said if you mm. if you think you're too small to make a difference try mm. sleeping with a mosquito in the room yeah and it's so yeah. true isn't it you know they can torment <laughs> torment our nights and they're tiny you you can actually I have to say both my boys came downstairs today with with little bites on their feet and I hope we haven't got bed bugs I don't know. Oh. but yeah absolutely they can wreak havoc yeah so there's something around finding the kind of strength power which isn't the same thing but connected mm. that that suits who we are where we are context you know kind of recognizing when gentle power maybe is a helpful thing or where we can use mm. power to to kind of you know create good beautiful things rather than just assume power is connected to destructive egomaniacs it's synonymous often with with those kind of ideas it got me thinking too about linked linked ideas like empowering and empowerment which mm. the definition of which is to give power or authority to with my background in international development so often the word empower you know empowering communities it's so often used and I understand it and have used it myself and recognize its value sometimes and also even that going back to language setting up one group as having more power than another and needing to sort of give some power to the other group um mm. who are we to say that a particular group in a particular country didn't already have power just maybe mm. we didn't know how to recognize that power and that's where listening comes in and actually forming a relationship before you do anything like projects and empowerment and that kind of stuff it's something I've been thinking about a lot yeah it's interesting actually and that that crosses over into the coaching world people often talk about empowering their clients mm. but actually is it about that or is it about you know, helping clients to to bring forth their own power, but it's not mm. actually, it's not doing too. Um, mm. it, it reminds me of a quote by um, Gloria Steinem, uh, which is power can be taken, but not given. The process of the taking is empowerment in itself. Mm. Which yeah. kind of confused me at first when I first read it, but it actually, it flips it, doesn't it? And it makes sense. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It becomes a choice, and the, the taker takes it rather than mm. somebody 
from up high deciding to give out a bit of power to someone. Mm-hmm. It, it got, particularly thinking about these words, it got me thinking too about the feminist movement in the last few decades mm. and the environmental movement and how closely aligned they are. Mm. And I've been reading an interesting book recently called The Death of Nature, okay. uh, Women, Ecology and the Scientific Revolution by Carolyn Merchant. And it was first published in the 80s, but it was re-released, I think, in 2020. Oh, it's, it's had a couple of editions, actually. And it's really all about um, the kind of scientific revolution and the industrial revolution of the last couple of hundred years, how with that came the exploitation of nature um, and the subjugation of women. And it's, it's, it's really interesting thinking about this age old association of, of women and nature, you know, in, in mm-hmm. myth, myth stories and creation stories. And, but there are, you know, cultural and economic constraints that have kept those, that, that, the world of nature and women to, in in a lot of places and a lot of times just completely c- controlled exploited mm. and actually how do we, how can we learn from these movements how can they kind of teach us new values new social structures and what does that do to popular ideas of power and leadership how we arrange our society i don't know i haven't finished reading the book yet but it's really interesting to think about power through those lenses of who have been who has been the powerful and who has who have they had power over and actually mm. nature and women uh, mm. are two obvious groups mm. and on the topic of women just as an aside um i've been re-listening to the spice girls recently not, not the whole back catalogue <laughs> a lot of it isn't great okay. but just a couple of tracks and it got me thinking about you know girl power that was their motto right mm. girl power mm-hmm. it was everywhere it was on buses on t-shirts so there is, you know, there is something. It's, it's like a, it's a fun narrative, but it's a, it's grounded in something that reflects the narrative of the last, you know, forever with mm. women and probably a lack of power that they've had a certain kind of power. Mm. Yeah, I was always posh spice. <laughs> of course, you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me. Actually, I was watching. Um, I was watching TV last night with my husband and we were watching um, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, which is about a a female comedian um, in New York in the late 1950s, early 1960s. And her father-in-law was very sick in hospital and she had to go on stage to do a a set. And I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she was talking about the doctors at that time. And and at the time they were all men come in with their their clip clip charts and say a few things and then rush off to the next patient. And actually, again, at the time it was all women, the nurses who would be the ones holding people's hands and changing the bedpans. And and actually, she was saying, you know, as you look back, as we look back on this time, you know, where is where I don't know if she used the word power or not, but that was that was the implication. You're like, what is what is true power and who are the people really holding society? And I'm not saying now it's all women versus men. That's not the case. But there is something about really reflecting on, well, what is valuable power, I guess, valuable to to us as individuals and, and communities that will help move us forward in a sustainable and you know I don't know why the word wholehearted is coming up for me way Mm. Hmm. yeah that's interesting that idea of heart actually isn't Mm. it because I guess often 
power and force is connected to more left brain head centered strategizing and so on but actually when you when you allow heart and language and soul and all this stuff to kind of enter into the conversation too we might arrive at a totally different place in terms of how we think we should or do use power so I like that word wholehearted Mm. yeah it reminds me as we kind of like think about our kind of more inner power there's a, a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison to what lies inside of you Mm, I love that quote. Yeah. And I I think, you know, there's something important here as well about how do we connect with our own inner power? Both you and I work as coaches and a lot of the work is about helping people connect with that inner power. And I noticed, although I was excited about the topic of power, there was part of me last night as I was preparing that kind of was a bit like, ooh, this feels big. This feels challenging to look here. Part of me I was wondering, like, why am I, why am I feeling nervous around power? And I think there's part of me that sometimes is very aware there's a lot of power inside of me and gets nervous about what would that be like if that was really, <laughs> really let out. Mm. Um, and, and then we were talking offline about what is it about dialing up, dialing down power within ourselves? Um, what what's going to serve the world best? Yeah, yeah. How how do we know when to dial up, and what does that look like? And in doing so, are we diminishing other people's power or mm, are yeah. we encouraging them also to be wholehearted and live out their own power? Mm. Um, and I, th- I feel like generally we've got that balance wrong at the moment. It feels like, you know, zero-sum game, whereas some people have a lot of power. And with that, money mm-hmm. or status. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people don't. And how do we, you know, how can we all feel whole and mm-hmm. share in that leadership and and mm. the power that comes with that because we need all all parts of the world in in order to sort of lead us forward fully and wholly and mm. you know fairly and mm. justly mm. and i feel like the pendulum has swung too much the other way but perhaps it's perhaps it's swinging back there are there are movements there are things happening in the world that that is you know from the ground up resisting that narrative that there has been spun which then makes me think of actually there's a quote um from the i think he was a lawyer robert ingersoll talking about abraham lincoln and he said if you want to find out what a man is to the to the bottom give him power any man can stand adversity only a great man can stand prosperity it is the it is the glory of Abraham Lincoln that he never abused power only on the side of mercy. Mm. And I love that idea of mercy, maybe mercy and justice and compassion and heart. Maybe these are places where we can really dial up power and we can say, no, we need more of this. But yeah, that idea of, well, it's like the the, the quote about how power corrupts. Mm. Um, the measure of a man is what he does with power. That's Plato said that same idea. Mm. Do we let it? literally go to our heads and corrupt us or do we see it as an opportunity to restore some balance in the world Mm. and that's so dependent on who you know the individuals that hold that power yeah and and equally it's like so often wars are caused by power seeking Mm. issues within organizations similarly can can have roots with that too and and harold mcmillan reflects on, on power 
It's like a dead sea fruit. When you achieve it, there is nothing there. What what are we what are we pushing for? So yeah, I think it is bringing it back to. And Elizabeth, you said this offline, but you know, how can we hold power both lightly and solidly? Mm. And as you mentioned earlier, yeah. just, justly mm. as well. There's this um, analogy. So this isn't this isn't mine. I read this somewhere, and I can't remember where, but I'll try and remember and put it in the show notes. But this idea of power is being like an egg. And if you mm. hold on to it too tightly, it breaks. And yeah. if you aren't, you know, mindful of it and holding it just well enough, mm. it drops and it also breaks. So it's a, it's a fragile thing and mm. it depends on the way that we hold it and the way that we wield it. Mm. And we were both talking as well earlier about how we consciously choose to be with it. So first of all, noticing, noticing power however we are choosing to see that and feel that and then kind of noticing our response to that and and choosing where to to put our energy and our focus which you know then let's just thinking about the narratives that we that we choose which then goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier with words and and so on and what ability do we have to to choose our narratives or are they chosen for us like how much do we play a part in choosing and how much is it how much do we choose power and what it means and how much is it done to us and I guess one weapon of oppression is is you know making people believe they feel that they have no power and that they are held down by something but as soon as they start to realize they do have power that's when regimes are toppled and and uprisings happen yeah, it's making me think of Viktor Frankl, um, who was an Austrian neurologist and psychologist, um, who's best known for his um, book, Man's Search for Meaning, in which he talks about his time as a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. Yeah, just what you're saying about, about that. Two, actually, I'll say two quotes, because I think they're both relevant. One is, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I guess kind of partly going back to what we were talking about earlier and and noticing and choosing, between stimulus and response, there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Mm. Yeah, so there is real agency Mm. here. Mm. I really like those quotes by Frankel and they make me think of, as you were saying, that kind of opportunity to, to choose and, and, and so on. I, I think to do that, we kind of need to be still and be grounded and just be aware of everything we carry inside. And it made both of us in different ways think about trees and how trees are so kind of rooted in place um, and they are you know they're not trying to be anything else but that particular species of tree they are in that particular place and there's the idea of kind of standing in their own power and and being rooted and it makes me think how like how do we root ourselves in who we are and and where we are literally or metaphorically whilst also respecting others and how they're rooted mm. and and the the their own ground of their own being um and how do we kind of link those two things together I don't know what the answer is but there is something about well yeah just what you've said with Frankel how do we how do we how are we mindful of our own 
power, our own choices, Mm -hmm. what becomes possible when we choose, Mm -hmm. um, and how do we hear ourselves and our community, our world enough to make the right choices and be really rooted Mm -hmm. and, you know, carry integrity as well, which which helps us to root and Mm -hmm. be true to ourselves, which then kind of, I guess, makes me just think about that we've touched on, but other ways of doing power. How do we subvert the less helpful ideas around power and violence and conflict and and so on that we've that we've touched on? And you know, some of these stories are ancient. We were talking offline about the Bible and how it's sort of roughly, you know, broken down into the Old Testament, which is full of war and some quite destructive, nasty things happening. And then the New Testament mm. is full of love and about loving your neighbor and mm. peace. And this idea that the New Testament is almost a subversion of, of what had failed in the Old Testament. Mm. And that New Testament way of thinking is something I can really get behind. You know, how can love literally be the most powerful force in the world? How can it subvert darkness and dangerous power? Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi said, the day the power of love overrules the love of power, the world will know peace. Mm. And in some ways that just, for me, echoes with the idea of New Testament thinking and just love, loving mm. loving your brother, loving your enemy, love. Like what would the world look like if that was actually taken seriously? Mm. I think it would be quite a different place. Yeah, and it feels like not just love as in a passive thing, but really active love. Mm. And, and we talked about conscious choice earlier. And I think actually what I mean is active choice. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. there's a, a quote by uh, Woodrow Wilson. There must be not a balance of power, but a community of power, not organized rivalries, but an organized peace. And yeah, it's, it's really bringing up for me, the importance of taking time to reflect on, on this topic, you know, and I hope that you as our listeners will do so after this, um, as well as hopefully having had thoughts um, come up through, through the podcast, but it's then actually really actively choosing about how we want to be with power in ourselves, what we want to dial up and dial down. But as you say, it's thinking about that respect of others as well and how we want to be within our wider worlds. Yeah, consciously choosing and and what narrative are we choosing? What stories are we choosing? And even things like ideas around holding power to account. And that often means, Mm. you know, our leaders and political leaders and business leaders and so on. But how how do we, you know, these phrases can be thrown around. Yes, we need to hold power to account. But what does that actually look like? How are we choosing ourselves? Mm. How are we placing ourselves in that narrative of holding power to account? What, do, what does that require of us? If we are holding power to account, how are we being mm-hmm. in that accounting? What are we choosing there? What story are we offering instead mm. of the one that's being played out? So I think it's a, like you say, it's a really active thing. Mm. It isn't enough to just sort of shout and point and blame. Um, sometimes these things are important, but but we have a role in this too. What are we, how are we reflecting on this? How are we? choosing ourselves how are we Mm. being with power Mm. I feel like we could keep talking about this topic my hunch is this feels like a good place to let's say pause the conversation yeah I think so 
I imagine power may come up again in our episodes. But I, I hope that this has prompted thoughts in you, our listeners. It certainly prompted thoughts in me. And, and for me, it's the, the activeness that feels important. So I'm going to take that away and reflect on that. Yeah. And similarly, just the stories and the narrative. What, how can we play a part in reshaping that narrative if, if it isn't the right narrative? What is our own role there? We have power in every action. You know, it reminds me of chaos theory, whereas something as small as the flutter of a butterfly's wing mm. can ultimately cause a typhoon halfway around the world. And I'm not sure if that's scientifically accurate or not, but just the concept feels important. Yeah, I think that's a good good place to end. Yeah, noticing our own butterfly wings. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. So it's been enlightening to look mm. at power today with you, Kat. And um, I always enjoy the the research and the, the just the thinking and the reflection around every um, issue that we look at, every topic we look at. So thank you. And thank you, listeners, for giving us your time and choosing to 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 be part of the conversation in the way that you are so yeah we really appreciate that yeah yeah gratitude all around mm. yeah for you elizabeth and and for our listeners so until next time you've been listening to unfurling a podcast that explores the power of the natural world to inform and inspire <laughs>